It's uh, the Security Weekly News. I'm Doug White, and it's episode 279 on Friday, the 10th of March, 2023. Uh, we got Sold My Soul to the Company Store, Xenomorph, Sonic Wall, GitHub, Veeam, TSA, Ring, the amazing Aaron Leyland will provide a juggling uh, exhibition, and more on this episode of the Security Weekly News. This is a Security Weekly production for security professionals by security professionals. Please visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe to all the shows on our network. We interrupt our program to bring you It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. How is your business staying one step ahead of cyber criminals? Secure your email applications, network, and data with Barracuda. Protect your business and go from zero to security in no time flat. Whether your team is working in one location or many, Barracuda has solutions that are easy to buy, deploy, and use. Learn how Barracuda can protect your business against ransomware, phishing, and other cyber attacks. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. That's securityweekly.com forward slash Barracuda. Barracuda, your journey secured. All right, welcome to the Security Weekly News. Well, Xenomorph is an Android malware with a cool name that has released a new version which has improved. I'll put that in air quotes. I, I, I don't know what you say from like malware, like it's better, uh, all new and improved. I, I mean, what do you say when something is getting better that is a bad thing? I mean, like, like if the human cold virus becomes semi-intelligent, does it get better at making people sick? I, I guess it, it has kind of improved, but I guess it kind of gotten worse. Well, regardless. So Xenomorph, Xenomorph malware has gotten worse, which means it's better at, at being malware. Yeah. So Xenomorph was first reported back in February of 2022 by Threat Fabric, where uh, and it's a banking Trojan. And when it first got reported, it had about 50,000 downloads on the Google Play Store. Uh, the very first version was specifically targeting 56 European banks, and it used injections to conduct overlay attack. I remember the story. Uh, and it abused accessibility services permissions so that it could steal one-time codes. So this was like, it, in fact, I remember it so well because it was one of the first times I, I thought about we keep talking about how two-factor will protect you, and, and all of a sudden I was going, well, maybe not, because this kind of malware was able to grab stuff off the clipboard. It was able to grab stuff off overlays or even codes you typed in. Um, so the authors of this malware are called Hadakan Security, and they and I don't know if that's uh, Korean or Japanese, Hado. It almost sounds like Japanese, a hadoken, um, but uh, could be Korean too. Um, and and they, they did update it through the year of 2022, but only in minor ways. And then they released Xenomorph 2 in June of 2022, and it had a complete code overhaul to make it more useful and more flexible. So I guess less useful and more inflex. I don't. I mean, I don't even know anymore when you're talking about this stuff. But anyway, Xenomorph version 3 is now available. And it is a, an all-new version that is much more capable, I don't know, incapable, and it now includes the ability to automatically steal data, uh, including credentials, account balance information. It can perform banking transactions and do fund transfers all the way to completion. So now it's basically able to automate this whole operation and extract your funds from whatever bank it's targeting. 
Uh, Threat Fabric called this version one, one of the most dangerous and advanced malware Trojans in circulation today. Uh, they go on and say that Hadoken uh, likely plans to sell this malware as a malware-as-a-service platform because they have launched a new website which supports their cl- the claim. Uh, the latest targets of Xenomorph are more than 400 financial institutions in the United States, Spain, Turkey, Poland, Australia, Canada, Italy, Portugal, France, Germany, the United Arab Emirates, and India. Uh, the malware also targets crypto wallets for 13 different cryptocurrencies, and it can bypass multi-factor authentication. And this is probably one of its greatest strengths or weaknesses. I don't know, whatever the opposite of that is. The malware has been found bound to all sorts of different apps. Uh, they had a couple of examples. One was called Play Protect. Uh, there was another one that was a currency converter. And so, you know, I mean, these things are very, very difficult to manage uh, because they're in apps that people, you know, want Somebody needs a currency converter. They jump on App Store and they say, "There's one," and they there's a free one, and they download it. Uh, you might want to have a talk with everybody about installing apps wantonly and not researching them because this thing is nasty. Uh, there are a lot of details about how this thing works and what all it does and how it you know how it does injections and so forth in the article. Speaking of warning people about apps, the FBI issued a warning about crypto theft via play-to-earn games. Now, I personally hate these kind of games because they're really just about getting you to pay more and more money or spend your life grinding away to feed your cows or some such thing, which, which seems a lot like work to me. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to clean my house. I could pay someone to clean it or I could clean it myself, but either way, it's got to happen. Uh, this particular scam has someone approaching you, probably they get your, a list of people who are playing certain games or whatever, and they introduce you to an online or a mobile game uh, that is pitched as a big reward type game. And they had all kinds of different monetary and prize awards and so forth. So one of the instructions then in the game, after you've been introduced to it by this person, you know, this is your special play. Um, one of the instructions is asking you to create a crypto wallet in the game and then move some crypto into the wallet, which sounds harmless enough, right? Because you want to play the game. Obviously, they sell, you want to buy, you know, cherries or whatever so that you can, you know, advance more quickly in the game. You put some crypto in the wallet and then, you know, you pay for the things that you want to buy. You don't have to buy them. You can always grind it out, just like all those kind of games. But hey, if you really, really want to, you can buy these extra diamonds or what have you. But the scammers keep telling you if you want to play for bigger prizes, you'll need more crypto in your wallet. You don't have to spend it, but you got to put it in there. And they have all these fake rewards that are dangled in front of you to get you to deposit more and more funds to be eligible to play for the even more stupendous prizes. Amazing. And they keep this up. And they basically try to get you as loaded up as possibly in a crypto wallet. And then if you stop, so you stop cooperating with them, they immediately empty your whole crypto wallet. Now, and then, wait for it, this is the good part, they offer to help you recover the funds for some fees, which you then pay because you lost $1,000 in crypto, and then you pay them the fee, and then guess what? You don't get your crypto back, and you don't get the fees back, but I'll bet you, after that, they offer for even more fees, because they will keep doing this until you actually quit. So then they probably offered another fee. Sorry, that first fee wasn't enough. This is just back to the old, uh, you know, Nigerian Prince scam. But the FBI said the following in regards to protection from this type of scam. 
A, always create a unique wallet for these games, whether they're whether the game is legitimate or not, always create a unique wallet. Uh, this And, of course, this means you can only lose what is in that wallet, just like walking through the bus station at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, I wouldn't carry a lot of cash. Uh, use a third-party blockchain explorer to check the balances of the addresses in your gaming wallet uh, regularly, which is not, you know, they don't want you to use something provided by the game, which may misrepresent your wallet. And third, periodically use a third-party token allowance checker to see which sites or apps you have allowed access to funds in that wallet and revoke those permissions on a regular basis. They also occur, or urge you to report all incidents you might experience like this to the Internet Crime Complaint Center. There's a link in the article, or you can Google it, uh, so that they can stay on top of it and warn other people about games that are doing this kind of stuff. So it's a really good article to pass along. It's, it's, it's basically simply written. They explain what's going on. So you might want to hand this out to your employees or your family members. A Chinese hacking campaign is targeting unpatched Sonic Wall secure mobile access appliances. Uh, the campaign aims to install custom malware, which will be very difficult to remove for cyber espionage campaigns in the future. Uh, the malware is specific to SonicWall, and it is used to steal user credentials, provide shell access to the attackers, and, and it may be able to persist even through a firmware upgrade. The malware itself is an ELF binary with a tiny shell backdoor and some bash scripts associated with it. The main module then is named Firewall D, and it runs uh, SQL commands to extract hashed credentials of all logged in users out of a database that is on those Sonic Wall devices. They do have to crack them later, but they can probably do that. Uh, all these things go into a text file, and then they get exfiltrated so that they can be cracked. Firewall D also launches Tiny Shell so that it's sitting there running, and it, that al allows the attackers to establish a reverse shell in the device so they can get in whenever they want to. Mandy had said it's unclear what vulnerability was actually used to compromise these devices, but they observed that all the targeted devices were unpatched. Uh, Mandy went on to say that the malware was being installed on systems all the way back into 2021, so it's probably older vulnerabilities, but people often don't patch these kind of devices. The malware uses a process called GeoBotnet D, which checks for new firmware updates every 10 seconds. And if a firmware update is found, the malware actually then uh, downloads, I guess the malware is downloading the update, and it ejects itself into the upgrade packager. So even if you upgrade the firmware, it will persist. And like, wow, that's not good. Um, obviously, you know, you want to patch your devices, but be, be careful about that. And you could already be infected with it. So you may want to do some testing to see if you think there's problems. They do have a lot of details in the article. Just a reminder about GitHub, uh, active developers will start being required to enable two-factor authentication on their accounts next week, beginning on Monday, the 13th of March. Uh, this is the first step in a staged rollout of this requirement to all accounts by the end of this year. They're trying to do this in phases so that they can limit how many problems result from this kind of add-on uh, you know, issue. Uh, and so, but the change is going to become a standard. Uh, currently, groups of users are being asked to enable two-factor uh, basically at different times, and the grouping is currently being based on the activity and the actions that you've taken or code you've contributed historically. Uh, the accounts that have been asked to enroll have should have received an email already, and you would see a banner on github.com requesting that you enroll. Uh, the requirement provides you with 45 days to comply once they request you to do so, 
and they have uh, new rules for the configuration. So seven days after you, if you miss the deadline, seven days after the deadline, they're going to start blocking features. Uh, there are multiple two-factor options they have provided, including physical security keys, virtual keys, and mobile devices, time-based one-time passwords, authenticator apps, and pretty much everything possible for doing two-factor, two-multi-factor. GitHub, however, is urging that you use security keys, uh, so either physical or virtual, or time-based one-time password due to things like Xenomorph, which can get around multi-factor authentication using overlay attacks as such. So they're encouraging you to stay away from the, the more common SMS text messaging type uh, multi-factor. Veeam announced patches for a severe vulnerability in its backup and replication solution that could allow attackers to extract encrypted credentials stored in the configuration database. A lot like that SonicWall thing. Uh, the vulnerability is in the veeam.backup.service.exe, which runs on port TCP 20, uh, 9401. If you've ever used veeam, you know that. Uh, but that's the default port for this. Uh, this daemon is going to allow an unauthenticated attacker to request at that port encrypted credentials. The release that they put out from Veeam said that all Veeam backups and replication versions are impacted by this vulnerability. New deployments, which were installed using ISO images dated 23 February, which is for version 12, or 27 February, which is version 11, are not vulnerable to this, apparently. Veeam advised that if you're using older versions of this product, you should probably update to a supported iteration as soon as possible. And you know how these backup systems tend to get installed, sometimes not even officially, but they get installed somewhere, they get automated, and they get forgotten. Uh, it's not a bad idea to scan your network regularly for backup solutions like this. And, you know, scanning for TCP 9401 right about now might be a good idea because sometimes users install these products on things they manage without telling you. And so you may have this product sitting out there and it may have been sitting there for years. And, you know, Veeam will run on all kinds of different platforms. So definitely check that out if you, are, have, if you have any possibility of running this. Block port 9401 too. Um, the Transportation Security Administration, which is called the TSA in the United States, uh, which does a lot more than just wand people at the airport, but uh, they basically are responsible for security across the transportation infrastructure. And they have said that now airport and aircraft operators will need to improve their cybersecurity resilience. Uh, the new requirements were issued through an emergency amendment, which uh, is used to target persistent threats against the aviation sector and other critical infrastructure components of the transportation industry. Airport and aircraft operators will are required now to develop a plan for improving their resilience and how they will prevent infrastructure disruption and de degradation in both directions. So whether it's from an attack on them that filters into the other parts or it's an attack on other parts that filter into them. Uh, they will also be required to assess the effectiveness of the measures. Good, good to see that. In addition, they will be required to develop network segmentation controls and policies to ensure that OT systems are not disrupted by incidents. This amendment emerges right on the heels of a similar requirement for railroad operations, which came out several months ago and just days after the release of the White House's new national cybersecurity strategy document that we've talked about on the show before. An Ohio businessman got a request for video from his Amazon Ring security system by the Hamilton, Ohio City Police. 
the owner complied with this request and allowed video from the doorbell camera to be taken. But then they kept requesting additional footage from different cameras that this person had, including internal uh, in his home. And, uh, and he balked at providing more to the police. The user then found out that the authorities had bypassed his consent by simply giving Ring a search warrant for the video from his Ring cameras, including indoor areas of his home. Uh, the police were requesting this. Now, you might already be thinking, oh, what was he up to? But the police were requesting this as a neighborhood surveillance operation as part of a drug investigation. And the person that they were talking to in this case was not a suspect. So uh, that's kind of scary that they suddenly went to ring and said, we want to look inside this person's house as well, just in case I guess we can see stuff out the windows or something. Uh, ring stores video from your devices for up to 60 days by default in the United States, and it may store it for up to 180 days or even longer unless they receive some kind of legal requirement that would change that, either asking them to preserve it or asking them to delete it. According to the most recent report from Ring, they had 1,939 search warrants uh, during the second half of 2022, 281 subpoenas, six court orders, 18 U.S. information requests, and 20, 2,031 requests to preserve data. An inquiry from Senator Ed Markey last year to Ring found that Ring revealed it shared user recordings without notice to customers 11 times in 2022 per a policy on emergency requests. The Electronic Frontier Foundation noted that customers need to choose to encrypt their Ring data because that feature is not enabled by default on Ring. So there is this old legal adage about nothing matters until it does. So that means that today you're just enjoying watching your cat barf on the sofa while you're enjoying drinks on the beach in Cuda. Uh, but then you end up in court with your roommate and they capture that old footage uh, of you wearing a tutu and a Darth Vader mask performing jazz dancing routines to old country music sets. Uh, not that that happened to me, but, but, and then not that there's anything wrong with that if you want to do it, but you know, uh, this is pretty scary stuff. If you ask me, because who knows what can be subpoenaed in discovery. Uh, and that, that's going to apply to divorce cases. It's going to apply to police investigations. It's going to apply to anything where the court de deems that it, it would be useful to get this material. So be careful with that, with that. Uh, so encrypt it. Well, when he's not parading around Glastonbury in a fright wig, he's probably parading around a fortune 500 company in a fright wig. It, it's amazing. And it's the amazing Aaron Leyland. Hi, Aaron. I feel that I should do some invisible juggling for you, but um, everybody's probably forgot about that. Keeping intro. those balls in the air. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Doug, whom we had the best intro I'd ever heard. And then you had to do a tribute to it, but, wah, wah. but wah, wah, wah. I'll have to tell you all <laughs> about it one day. I'd say at Hacker Summer Camp, but nobody wants to send me at Hacker Summer Camp this year. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Are you going to Hacker Summer Camp, Doug? I have no one to send me to anything anymore. I, I, like, I don't have, like, the university doesn't like to pay for stuff like that. If it's got the word hacker in it, no chance. Uh, and I don't, I don't really have a client that sends me to even cons anymore. So it's like, if I want to go, I have to pay out of my own pocket. So anybody bring out there who'd to, like to send me, I, you know, yeah. yeah and I'll go with them. Yeah. Up. I'll take Aaron. Bring back 2018 and all is forgiven. Hey, we're pretty good together. We did great at DEF CON. Oh, we sold the most t-shirts ever. <laughs> I'm telling you, we were awesome. Keep that in mind out there. 
You want yeah, to, you yeah, want yeah, your yeah. t-shirt to get out. You send me an error and we'll get them out there. Anybody wants us to flog some t-shirts where they were your people. Cybersecurity. I mean, you know, we um, had to tackle a couple of people and force swag into their pockets, but you know, I mean, we're willing to do whatever it takes. Oh, and then you lost part of your badge with Rick and Morty on it. That was a sad day. Oh yeah, that was sad. I got, I got the guy sent me a whole new set of them though. <laughs> I complained about it on the news and the guy that made those badges sent me like 50 of them. So I've got a whole pile great, of them. Great bloke. <laughs> the the community is awesome. It is. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Before I overrun, I, and I have too many words, let's get smashed into this. <laughs> um, as reported in CSO with the link in the show notes, stolen credentials increasingly empower the cybercrime underground. So the cybercrime underground is long functioned as an open market, as we know, where sellers of products and services are paired with buyers and contractors. One of the most valuable commodities on this market are stolen credentials, since they can provide packers with access into networks, database, and other assets owned by organizations. It's no surprise the cyber criminals focused on this valuable commodity. So last year, over 4,000 data breaches were reported. Um, that comes from researchers at Flashpoint and threat actors exposed or stole, big numbers here, 22 billion credentials. Where do all these people live? And personal records ranging from account and financial information to emails and social security numbers, with over 60% of these credentials and other details being stolen from organizations in the information sector who tend to hold data for other clients and um, thus are pretty good place to go searching for said information. Um, as most of us will know, um, most ransomware gangs operate on a service-based model where the group pays contractors, known as affiliates, to break into networks, obtain administrative access, and deploy their ransomware program for a large cut of any ransom payment victims make. At the end of the day, it's a business, it's run as a business, and <laughs> it's much better than any pyramid scheme you'll look at. Um, there was the um, stories going around the most successful ransomware group in 2022 was Lockbit, whose activity spiked after another notorious ransomware gang, really hard to say politely, Conte, um, shut down its operations in May. And um, apparently Lockbit managed to attract many of Conte's um, former collaborators by revamping its affiliate program with better deals who knew right um it's an inevitable business model and um probably has better customer services than most of the big techno companies and how do they obtain the credentials normal ways data breaches phishing malware and many other ways so this leads me to what i'm going to look at today um on the same theme of the last two or three shows and um, it's me being asked um, if it was possible to be anonymous on the internet to help you sort of protect your information. Well, the answer is it is possible to be anonymous on the internet. However, you have to use a secure browser, search engine, email account, cloud storage. You'll need a VPN, disable cookies, and change other settings. So while it is possible, it's a bit labor intensive but totally worth it. Um, steps that I would take, I'd use an encrypted messaging app instead of just sending a text message. 
Um, looking at Signal here, all communications have end-to-end -end encryption on its open source protocol, and the company can't see your messages or calls, and there are no ads or trackers. Um, Telegram for me is okay. I personally worry about WhatsApp, although I do use it myself to chat about normal stuff with mates, maybe for the more secret, super secret stuff, just not just secret, super secret stuff. I currently like Wicker Me. Um, I'd also look into encrypted browsers as Google is notorious for example, get data collection. Instead of using Chrome or another browser from a large tech company, look at Tor, which we know is a secure browser that encrypts your IP address and web activity, not just once or twice, but three times. But Tor doesn't encrypt any other web apps you use which is why you'll need a VPN as well, which brings me on to a virtual private network. Unlike Tor, VPNs encrypt all web traffic from browsers and other web apps. Aside from hiding your IP address, VPNs hide your browsing history, so your internet service provider can't see any of your online activity. Um, you can set these up in minutes and feel free to post um, I, I'm always looking for a new P VPN sort of um, vendor, so feel free to post recommendations for us and the rest of the team on Discord. I personally use Nord for everyday needs. It's just it's just simple. Um, use secure email services. So since we're so deeply entrenched in the Google ecosystem, we use the sort of Gmail, and I still use Gmail for some things. And it is easy. Um, Google keeps all of our private emails on its servers. So look at um, secure options like ProtonMail, um, and they're based in Switzerland. And I'm not a member of the Surveillance Alliance Five Eyes. So the company apparently can't be forced to give the government customer data. Rather, all emails has end-to-end -end encryption with open source code, and we like open source mostly, and the service is free for Android, iOS, and web users. Also, we should look at using temporary email addresses. So you don't want a company emailing you on a newsletter daily, use a temporary email address. Services like TempMail generate throwaway email addresses. Another one that I use, which is free, is 10-minute email. Okay, look in the encrypted storage. At the end of the day, do you want your information, your data, your photographs, your files um, unencrypted in storage? Um, you probably want that with some sort of end-to-end -end encryption so that the vendor that you're storing it with um, can't get in to see that and it's actually you that encrypts it rather than them. Don't, don't, don't. Um, post PII, personally identify information, things like your address, your phone number, social security numbers, because this is the easiest way to lead to identity theft. And um, I would maybe recommend that if you've been burnt by this, um, set up with an identity theft protection service. Right, this, this, we're going to move into a couple of things that not many people are going to do. But if you want real anonymity, if you can say the word, um, look into checking app permissions. We're definitely all guilty of mindlessly accepting an app's terms and conditions. But before you do, see what the positions the app has. For example, does it need to know your location? Does your new calculator need to know your location? 
Probably not. So I'd have a look into that. Um, pri privacy or privacy, whichever side of the um, Atlantic you come from. Um, privacy policies or privacy policies. Check what a data website or app collects, shares, sells, uses, and um, loads companies sell personal information to third parties for marketing services. Um, which is obviously not conducive to privacy, let alone anonymity. anonymity. Um, but it's definitely recommend that. Okay, ad blockers, use ad blockers. Bit of a cat and mouse game here. Um, the ad blockers get good and then the sort of marketers get good and then the ad blockers get good. But keep on top of it. Um, hopefully we can stay on the mouse side of the cat and mouse game if that's correct <laughs> um don't use voice assistants voice assistants are notoriously bad um there's been loads of sort of um alexa recordings that have come out google nest type things that have come out and doug was talking about sort of some things earlier but um if someone gets inside your smart garage, your smart locks, smart lights, no, they, they can start controlling your life from there. Um, one that's really hard these days, as um, most of us maybe even have to use it for our job, but um, stay off social media. If you want anonymity, stay off social media. Um, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on here. People literally just putting pictures of their kids with their full names on it and um not quite banging their social security numbers up, but <laughs> doing everything close. Um, talking about using a VPN, also look into using a proxy as this will give you extra sort of, give you a bit of extra safety there. Um, something I wouldn't expect to talk about these days is checking for HTTPS. I know I know from various jobs that um, HTTP still plagues the internet to a certain amount. Normally find as embedded in a HTTPS website, but at the end of the day, if someone's going to pwn you, if someone of a very high maturity nation state type, someone wants to pwn you, they might look to use some sort of HTTP um, protocol rather than the good one with the S on the end of it. Disable cookies, it doesn't mean not eat cookies, but disable cookies, they're like stalker ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends. Um, they're not helpful to us. Disable them. Um, <laughs> don't use Google. Um, <clears throat> Google something. <laughs> Google something. Um, something better like DuckDuckGo, which doesn't harvest your personal information, which goes on then to create targeted ads. Um, DuckDuckGo's good at, and I just can't say it today, anonymizing um, things like your IP address. As I mentioned before, so I won't go into it too deep, use a password manager, definitely use a password manager. And then if you want to get into this sort of um, a little bit more heavily, use a secure operating system. Use one of the big ones. It's going to be a bit more difficult. Um, maybe use something like an open source operating system like Linux, Tails is another one. And I'm not sure how you pronounce it in that side of the pond, but if you Google DuckDuckGo it, um, Tails in 
1X, W-H-O-N-I-X, um, there are other options. Um, another way, use cryptocurrency, but not Bitcoin. Use something like Monero, which um, will hide sender receiver and amount sent. Apparently, using three different privacy technologies, go them. And another one, disable JavaScript. JavaScript's well known for being exploitable to hackers. So if you can disable it, do disable it. And um, avoid spam, the being in my life. I actually spent nearly a full day trying to get rid of spam on one of my main email addresses and um, struggled a lot. So maybe use things like 10-minute email or use some services now that allow you to hide your email and they just generate you a new email address for one-off use. And finally, and finally, use a file shredder. As we know, when we delete something on a computer, it's not always gone. So if we use a file shredder, then um, there's one, I'm trying to think what the name is. It's like, oh, anyway, I can't remember it. DuckDuckGo it. <laughs> I wonder if I can get DuckDuckGo into my lexicon rather than Googling it, but that will give you many algorithms for shredding. Um, oh gosh. When I left the military um, 2018, my hygiene was pretty good. Probably very little record of me on the internet. But um, unfortunately, with recent podcasting and talking at conferences, I have a much lower maturity, which is why I try and practice what I preach. So after the tribute to Doug's intro today, back to you in the studio, Dr. Doug, for hopefully an amazing outro, if that's the opposite to intro. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, awesome as usual. Uh, you know, probably after you licensed oyoysavaloy.com, uh, that's when your spam really got started up. So if you don't get that joke, sorry. I know he got it, but I don't know if everybody else got it. But <laughs> all, all the people in England will get it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. and finally, Elon Musk revealed that he's planning to build a utopian town. Anytime you see the word utopia, it's run like hell is what that translates to in English. But a utopian town in Texas and name it Airstrip One. No, I'm sorry, Snailbrook. Um, Elon's going to come after me and send me to room 101 for that. But uh, according to Wall Street Journal, the town will be built just outside of Austin near the other facilities of Boring Inc. and SpaceX. Uh, the idea is to provide a place Supposedly a brand new idea. I don't know. The idea is to provide a place for employees to live where they will be charged $800 per month for housing. Uh, this is, to me, I, I'm like, this is not that unique. Uh, this is an old idea. Company towns have been being built, you know, I don't even know how far back they go, probably into the Middle Ages. Uh, but, you know, you build a company town and you tell workers, hey, you get a place to live. You get to live here on our property. It's awesome. It's great. I don't know if it's good or bad. It, it always sounded scary. My grandmother's family lived in a lumber town that moved around and they had a mobile house that was put on a flatbed rail car and hauled wherever the next town was. Uh, now, some people say it's a great thing uh, and, and think that living in Elon's private town would be awesome. Other people, not so much. Uh, and it may well be a good way to attract workers in these days of, of expensive housing and high rents. But history says it's not such a great idea since the company's going to have a lot of control over your life because basically what Elon said was if you get laid off or fired, you'll have 30 days to pack your things and get out. Uh, the other side of this, of course, is that company towns in the past often very quickly move toward paying people in scrip. Which is, an, which is a kind of artificial money 
that the company decides what it's worth and they peg it at some rate to the dollar that they decide. And you know the old Ernie Ford song, you load 15 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. So I sold my soul to the company store. Yeah, and all that. But company towns often privatize and they circumvent codes, rules, and all sorts of things. But, you know, it's hard to imagine Elon doing something awful, right? I mean, I mean, imagine that. Maybe pay people in crypto issued by the company. You know, that's not crypto. It's cryptocurrency. But who knows? History says it's a bad idea, but I guess time will out. What could go wrong? And that's the news. Thanks, Aaron. And we'll see you next week on the Security Weekly News. Outro.